1 John 1, 3 to 7. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Wisdom can be in short supply in our world, and there's an old phrase that says, the problem with common sense is that it's not that common. That being said, wisdom can be found by learning from our experiences. Uh, and even, uh, even the young can learn from the experiences that they've had. And here's a few young people that have, have learned a bit of wise wisdom from the, even in their young years. Patrick, age 10, says, never trust a dog to watch your food. Michael, age 14, says, when your dad is mad and asks, do I look stupid, don't answer him. Talia, age 11, learned that when your mum is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. Uh, Kim, uh, age 9, says, I never hold a vacuum and a cat at the same time. Amir, age 9, discovered that you can't, can't hide a piece of broccoli in milk. And Lauren, age 9, discovered that felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. Joel, age 10, said, um, you shouldn't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. Alicia, age 13, reckons that when you get a bad grade at school, you should tell your mum when she's on the phone. And lastly, Eileen, aged 8, um, wisely advises pastors to never baptise cats. Well, you see, even these kids can learn wisdom at their young years. And today we're, we're, we're wanting to learn wisdom uh, for the church and, and what we are doing. And we're going to go a little bit deeper as we look at how the church, the community of faith, the body of Christ can experience God more. We want to be wise when it comes to understanding and living out the idea that we are meant to be kingdom people. Now that phrase could mean, could be defined in so many ways, but let's, let's just put it simply. Um, to be kingdom people means that we are, that the church are meant to be people of the king. Uh, Jesus is the head of the body and, and we today want to live out the way that the king wants us to live out. And I want to look at three areas to do that. Kingdom people firstly need to be on mission with the king. Kingdom people live with a kingdom mindset. And finally, I want to look at this idea that kingdom people live in true community with the king. Well, first of all, like this idea of being on mission to the world. Um, if, we are, if I say I am a kingdom person and that Christ is my king, Christ is always on mission to the world. We actually see that all the way through the Bible that, that God was trying to draw people back to him. He continued it when he actually came to earth uh, in G as Jesus and he was on mission the whole time he was, he was here. And then he gave that same mission to the church saying, continue on doing what I'm doing and join with me. And so if we say that Jesus is our king, we will be on mission. You cannot be in relationship with Jesus and not be on in mission today. Also, what is mission? Um, it's living in loving obedience 
to what God asks you as you grow with him. That is also true for the church. And see, God establishes each local body of Christ so that he can continue his redemptive work in the world. That's why we exist. No other reason. There's no other reason to exist except for us to be joining Jesus on the redemptive purpose of of, um, um, the work that he started on the cross. Everything becomes part of doing this. But it's easy for us to get to a place where everything else actually takes a higher priority than this idea of being on mission with Christ. And uh, uh, Henry Blackaby described it this way. He said, every congregation is a world mission strategy centre. Have you ever thought of ourselves as that? That we are meant to be a world missions strategy centre. Basically, it's saying that at any time God has access to our church, he can touch the world through us. As as an important idea that any time that God has access to us as a church, he can do anything through us. Now, if God doesn't have access because we're not connected to him, we're not really sort of submitting to his lordship, his kingship, we aren't really being people of the king, all of a sudden God can't do what he desires to do through us. When we adjust our life to God and become a kingdom person, he can involve us in his work anywhere in the world. And before you go... Before you start thinking and saying, I know this is what, where you're going to say that we should go into the whole world and, and, and live for him. You want me to go overseas where there are flies, where there's no indoor plumbing, where I have to use an to- outdoor toilet and leaves of toilet paper. And the worst thing in the world, there is no Wi-Fi signal. Is that what you're asking me to do? Well, what I want to say that that is could definitely be part of God's plan, but it's not necessarily what God is going to call you to. We need to be willing to say yes if that happens, but this this is also true. That when we look at world mission, a part of our world is your next-door neighbour. A part of your world is is your workplace. Um, it, It includes your family. It includes those we have connected to over Facebook throughout this past few months. It includes uh, our local school that we, be, we bless at times with biscuits and do Lego there and, and connect in other ways. They're part of, of the world mission. It includes our youth as we connect um, with them. And some of our teams have been very, um, I suppose, impacting as they have invited their friends. And so whether they've been thinking of this way, they have actually been joining God on mission as they invite their friends to be engaged and impacted by the gospel. That's our world. It might be some far distant place and God may call you there, but if God is calling you there, it is best to say yes. But we also need to understand that our world is right around the corner from us. And so don't get in the place where we're saying we can't impact the world. We live in the world. The church is in the world and we should be impacting the world in which we live. When we understand that we are meant to be a kingdom people, we can move from the selfish notion um, where God says, um, "Bless," me, where we say to God, bless me, bless my family, bless my church, which is all about getting stuff for ourselves, to being obedient and on mission with God and realise we are blessed to be a blessing. And it's in obedience where we truly begin to understand what God's blessing truly means. So we are meant to be on mission with God. We're actually meant to be living out kingdom ways. We're meant to be living out the kingdom life according to, I suppose, the priorities and and the heart of the king. 
Citizens in God's kingdom are to function and accomplish God's purpose in God's in kingdom ways, not in human ways. And so easy, it's so easy to get caught up in, in the idea of human success and human strategies and if we just do this, this will happen. But we need to understand that what God calls us to do is what we are meant to do. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, Pavina shared this a couple of weeks ago in a testimony. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are you, my ways your, your ways, declares the Lord. As the, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The principle of God's kingdom and the principles of the world are vastly different. And so if we try to achieve a kingdom I suppose, um, success with human means, we will never truly get there. Again, we might measure up to other churches and say, look at what we've done, look at what's happening here. But again, we're trying to develop God's kingdom. And it doesn't always look the same as what we humans sort of celebrate as success. Um, Matthew, and I suppose when we start looking at the kingdom, um, the Gospels are full of, of different stories where Jesus used parables to talk about the kingdom and even teaching to the disciples about the kingdom. I want to share a few of those right now. Uh, Matthew 13, 31 and 32. He said, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seed, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree that the birds can come and perch in its branches. The smallest of seeds can accomplish much. And God is saying, God can, is saying he can use the smallest thing to do something great, to achieve big things. The thing is, our church is small. And sometimes we kind of go, oh, because we're small, we can't do much. But again, God is the expert when it comes to using something small to glorify himself. I'm thinking that puts us in a perfect position. You might even say, in my life, I, I can't do much for God. God can take the little that you can do if you are willing to let him use it to magnify it into something big. God is, is, is again, is the expert at doing that. Matthew 13, 33 then picks up. He still told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 27 kgs of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. See, dough, yeast has this effect where it actually permeates and affects everything it touches. And so you do need to mix it in. If you put dough in one part of the section of the flour, it will affect that bit but not the rest of it and you'll get like a, a loaf of bread that will look very deformed or a pizza that a base that sort of is high in one bit and, and thin in another bit. Um, but when you mix it through, it affects, it has an impact on the whole lot. God can use small influence to have a far-reaching effect in his timing. And the church needs to be in community on mission for the kingdom so it can have a great impact. If we hide away, our yeast is sort of left wasted. If we only go to one section of the community, again, we only impact there. But if we are able to sort of be in the community, and that means you as the church, in your workplace, in your families, in your neighbourhoods, um, finding ways of connecting, all of a sudden we have that ability to, I suppose, infect in, a, in a one way and sort of spread that, that, um, the impact of the gospel. Matthew 13, 44 to 46 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, 
When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought it, uh, bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and he bought it. See, the kingdom is worth everything. Are we serving and surrendering and living in a way that highlights the value of the kingdom in our lives and in the, in the life of the church? Are we doing that? Are we, are we willing to forsake things so that the kingdom will thrive, the kingdom will grow, that we are willing to be obedient to Christ? Or are we saying, God, it's in my top 10. Oh, God, it's in my top 50. It's in my top 100. And I'll get to it when I can, but these other things in my life are more important. What Jesus is saying here, if we are to be the church, if we are to be kingdom people, if we are to be people that are living in obedience with God and so therefore experiencing God more and more and more, we need to make the priority of the kingdom of high value to us. It needs to be right there in the spotlight. It needs to be right there in front of us. So that talks about the kingdom ways. And then we're going to talk, now I don't want to talk about the community that God calls us into. I want to use this word, um, koinonia. It's a Greek word, um, and it basically, for some of you, you might sort of think, well, that's a strange word to sort of um, have, have as a point, but basically, it, it's a Greek word that means fellowship, but it's a much, much wider meaning than just food and social time together, which is, I suppose, a lot of what the modern church is settled for when it comes to fellowship. Are we having a fellowship lunch? Are we having some fellowship? Let's go do something together. Um, Koinonia means to have the fullest possible partnership and fellowship with God and other believers. You see, it takes, a, a, takes it a long way from just a fellowship dinner. It takes it into something where we are actually in mission and in relationship with God and others around us. That's what koinonia means. And we actually, John 1, 1, 1 John 1, um, which was read earlier, has great insight into the importance of koinonia. 1 John 1, 3 says... We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, what happens is that as we, John basically sort of said here, and we want to tell you about Jesus, that we experience firsthand. We want to tell you our stories. We want you to experience what we've experienced. And so, in so doing, we can have fellowship with each other but then on top of that, we increase fellowship with God. This is the beginnings of koinonia. See, a church is a vital, living, dynamic fellowship of believers. Basically, the church doesn't live, um, the church doesn't live off the experience of the pastor, but the church thrives as we share our collective experiences of God, which includes what God has done, where God has called us, what work He has done through us, and how He's changed us. This leads to the next step in 1 John 1, 4. We are writing these things that you may, be full, you may fully share our joy. We are living out the fullest, when we are living out the fullest partnership with God um, and with each other, then we will have the fullest joy. To get to this point, though, we are to fully focus on the mission of Jesus. It isn't so much about me. See, when we are selfish um, in what we want out of the church, we cause damage or lessen the impact of the joy that God is wanting us to know. 1 John 1, 6 and 7 then goes on to say, so, if we are lying, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. 
We are not practicing the truth. And But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I cannot be in fellowship with God and his son and not walk in fellowship, godly fellowship with other believers. It can't be done. If there is damage in the church, it actually lessens the impact of you walking with God. And so um, you, you, can't, you can't stay home each week and say, this is my little bubble. Like, and that's been one of the damaging things of, of the past few months. We've actually lessened our impact of a community of believers who are on mission with God. We've survived, yes, and, and I'm looking to thrive in, in coming weeks as we're able to meet back together again. Because what we need to realise is that our love is our pressure gauge. This becomes the, the bar by which Jesus said the world would judge us. Uh, it becomes a testimony to the world in which we live when we live in love with each other, our love for God, and it, it not only becomes a testimony, it becomes a motivator. And John uh, 13, 35, it says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, when this happens, God is glorified because they see him in us. We fulfill the idea of being light and salt when this happens. But more than this, love becomes, becomes our motivator. It becomes the thing that moves us. High love, um, great pressure to stay on mission with each other and in obedience to God. Low love levels, um, we struggle to stay unified, unified in step with God because it becomes all about us. And so love becomes this great thing. This idea of community becomes this really important thing. And so, again, as, as we open as a church, let us gather again in community to encourage and spur each other another on to, to, to new works, to, to greater works, to good works. Let us show our love for each other. Let us encourage each other to grow in faith. Because this is what I, I wanted to sum it up again as we finish up today. We are called to be kingdom people in mission with God because the kingdom is of high value and we walk in koinonia and love for each other and to God to achieve it. And I pray that this will be the kind of church that you desire to be, especially as we are back in community in, in the coming week. And so I pray that this becomes a goal for us as we work together as a church, that we become kingdom people focused on God's mission as we collectively pursue that in a loving community. Let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you again. Um, thank you that we are coming back together so soon. I thank you that, um, again, that you've allowed us to be the church in, in I suppose, isolation and separation. But, Lord, um, you desire to us to be in community. And as I pray this, Lord, I think of those places around the world that um, they live in isolation in their faith so regularly. They are not able to meet regularly as, as a community of faith. They are not able to meet regularly in, in a way that, and be open about it, but they have to, to be secret about their faith. But in so doing, their focus on the mission of God is so clear. And I pray that you would sharpen our vision when it comes to the mission of God that you put us on, that you would also um, place in us um, a desire to, to, to value um, the kingdom and, and all that you wanted to do. And finally, I pray that our love will increase. Our love for you would increase and our love for each other would increase so that as we move as a body, we do so unified 
on purpose to, to achieve the mission of the King. And I pray this in your most powerful name. Amen. Amen.